Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week in the Champions League, Pauk and Lead Cabellus won their first games of the season. Poortes shocked Hapoel Jerusalem and Tenerife survived against Gaziantep to remain the only undefeated team in the competition. Joining me to talk about all of that and much more is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how's it going this week? And then there was one, just one undefeated, and they almost got uh, knocked off as well. So yeah, uh, doing good. And uh, yeah, pretty exciting uh, week of games. A uh, couple of uh, pretty good upsets and, and, and a couple of really good games. So look forward to uh, chatting about it. Yeah, it was another great week of BCL action. Tenerife, as we said, remain the only undefeated team. They went 6-0 and to start last season, so this is nothing new for them. They're 5-0. and To stay up to date on all of that, make sure you check out the official website, championsleague.basketball. There's some really great articles on the site up right now. Deacon Lloyd-Smith wrote last week about some of his favorite plays drawn up by Tenerife head coach Tus Vidoretta, uh, Pedro Calles at uh, Rastafecta, and much more, so check that out. Of course, Igor Jerkovic has his power rank and live blog every week. And Dave has been doing the Homegrown series. Uh, Dave, what was your latest article? Uh, yeah, talked about um, uh, Artos Kurutz from, uh, from uh, Fevriga, um, the younger brother of uh, Rodians Kuros, who was obviously um, starting to make his name in the NBA uh, with Brooklyn. And, um, yeah, he's uh, been a, a bit of a name as uh, on his own anyhow. And, um, and just kind of talk about, uh, sort of, uh, sort of etching out his own spot uh, in the family and, uh, a little, a, uh, spoiler, there is another cross on the way. And there's a little scouting report from Arthur's about the, uh, the younger Ilya. So, uh, go check it out. Uh, Arthur's making his own name as a cross on uh, championsleague.basketball. Yeah, great stuff from Dave, so make sure you go read that. All right, let's jump in with this week's Team of the Week. Leading it off, Marcelino Huertas, the veteran point guard from Tenerife, became the first BCL player ever to have 20 points and 10 assists off the bench. He did that for Tenerife to help them make a late comeback against Gaziantep to stay undefeated. Keith Langford, the legendary scorer from Ike, he had 30 points, another huge game from him, 5 of 9 from the three-point line as Ike beat Burgos. Zelko Sakic from Lid Cabelis had 32 points, 5 of 8 shooting from the three-point line as they beat Torun and picked up their first win of the season. I called that one last week. Dave Dodzinski, the first player this season to uh, make the team of the week on a losing team, he had 21 points, 22 rebounds for Antwerp, also five assists. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the first 2020 game ever in BCL history, so that's why he's on the team of the week. And the MVP, as well as our guest on this week's podcast, Kyle Wilcher from Turk Telecom, monster performance, 33 points, 10 rebounds, five of eight shooting from the three-point line as Turk Telecom beat Ostend at home. Uh, Dave, what, what are your thoughts on the team of the week? And is there anybody that the committee missed? I mean, it's, it's hard to complain about anybody. Um, you can say, all right, you know, uh, um, Dzinski, uh on the losing team, but you know, fantastic performance. There's, there's one guy and I was thinking, that's just actually before we record, I was trying to think, okay, well, well, which of those guys do you, do you take off? 
um, to put uh, to put just uh, Justin Detman from uh, from Power uh, from Poartes. Um, you know, he scored uh, twenty two points. Was so crucial in that huge victory over over Jerusalem. Um, and uh, the other guy, I thought maybe you know Detman had a case. Uh, you'd really try to figure out who you know who you might bounce. Um, another guy who on a on a on a uh, maybe a, a week where where the where the where the players were a little bit less strong, let's say, uh, would have been Hatcher uh, William Hatcher uh, uh, from from uh, Paris Derry, who scored fourteen in the fourth quarter. Um, those are the two guys. Uh, Detman, I would really like to try to figure out a way to get in there. You know, also new team. Also, they were missing DeYoung. DeJong. Um, so that's what I got. Did you have anybody? I know I, I just took two, so I don't know maybe if I stole one of your stole something from you. But did you have anybody that uh, maybe des- deserves a spot? Yeah, I I, th- I think Robin Benzing had a pretty good case. Twenty points for Zaragoza. They beat Dijon. Uh, Dijon was previously undefeated, so that was a big win. Uh, Benzing did most of his damage in the first half, so maybe that's why he didn't make it. Didn't have quite the uh, the complete performance. So he was somebody who could have had it. And Nick Johnson from Turk Telecom, like of of course Wilcher was going to make it with thirty three and ten. And we usually don't pick two guys from the same team, but Nick Johnson had a pretty awesome game as well. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, really stepped up in the second half for Turk Telecom. So uh, so that's the team of the week. Let's go to the group-by-group group breakdowns, starting it off with Group A. Dave, we, we mentioned Wiltshire had a monster game, the MVP this week. 33 points for Turk Telecom. They beat Ostend 72 to 66. A couple things from this game that stood out for me was, you know, Turk Telecom down eight points at halftime. Wilcher was really the only thing offensively that was keeping them in the game. He had 16 of Turk Telecom's first 22 points. But then in the second half, uh, Nick Johnson, great second half, getting to the rim, uh, hit some open threes. He was collapsing the defense and kicking out to shooters for threes and and then a pull-up jumper uh, that ended up being the dagger for Turk Telecom. I also thought it was interesting. Siobhan Thompson seemed like he outplayed Mustafa Fall in the battle of the big men that we talked about. Seven foot Siobhan Thompson going up against seven foot two Mustafa Fall. Uh, and I also thought it was notable for Ostend, Jean-Marc Wemma, our podcast guest a couple weeks ago. Uh, it seems like the podcast curse is continuing, Dave. Wemma, zero points, zero of six from the field. Uh, what, did, what did you think about this one? And of course, we'll, we'll hear from Kyle Wiltshire a little bit more later. Yeah, we we actually uh, he talks about um, sort of where the connection that he has with Nick Johnson. Uh, I won't spoil that one, um, but just that that deadly combo. Um, and then he also talks about the the importance of of having fall in there as well. So, yeah, I mean just just those um, just those two uh, guys that were just you know so effective and you know and and. And that's going to be a deadly combo now, I think, for the rest of the season. And, and teams are going to have to try to figure out how to to, to stop them. And, you know, they showed that, uh, that you know, two guys, you know, they, they scored they scored 50, uh, 54 of the 72 points, just the two of them. The team was just three of 18 uh, from, from, uh, uh, from three-point range besides uh, Wiltshire. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they can – if they can get a, a third guy to score, um, 
uh, fall only at two points. But you know, this is this is going to be a tough team uh, with if Wiltshire is going to be playing like this. And you know, according you know, he, as he says in the interview, he's going to you know he's going to be looking to stay aggressive like this the rest of the season. So you know, they're already four and one, and if they if he starts uh, heating up even more and more, so you know, we're going to watch out. Yeah, yeah, and it's a well-rounded team too. RJ Hunter, uh, Muhammad Baigul, these guys have had big games before. They can they can put some points on the board as well. So this this is a really dangerous four and one Turk Telecom team. Uh, obviously, you know, leading the group, they look like a playoff team right now. Uh, but if Wiltshire's going to stay hot, if Fall's going to protect the rim, you know, this this could be a team that goes really far in this competition. Elsewhere in Group A. Halone beat Manresa 90-88. to No Frankie Ferrari in that one for Manresa. He was out with an illness. Lead Cabelis beat Torun 98-83 to to pick up their first win of the season. And Sassari beat Strasbourg 90-67. to Biggest loss in 53 BCL games for Strasbourg as they go down. Uh, Dave, what jumped out to you from the rest of the games in Group A? You know, Leet Cabela's uh, score 98, uh, you know, you said also last week, you know, every, you know, anybody can score on this Toronto team and they're just not playing defense. Sakic, man, he played, he, uh, had, uh, 12 points in the big 18-5 run to, to finish off the game. Um, Halone, Manresa, fun game. Uh, Manresa actually had a 16 point lead that they lost. Um, and, and, you know, one guy that we really haven't talked much about, um, you know, we talked about a lot of new additions, but Richard Howell had a really big, um, fourth quarter, uh, first half of the fourth quarter ended with 11 points. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, in national team player for Israel. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's a guy we haven't really talked very much about. Um, and, uh, and Strasbourg Cesare, I, I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit more about, uh, in overtime. Moves it on, Sauros. Langford again, got to put it up. Big three. Oh! Keith Langford drops another three. All right, moving on to Group B. A few interesting games in this one. The one I wanted to start with was Ike beating San Pablo Burgos 74-66. to This was the sixth consecutive loss in all competitions for Burgos after a really great start to the season. They entered this game with the second highest offensive rating in the competition, one of the best offensive teams, but Ike completely shut them down, controlled the tempo, played at a really slow pace. Burgos is a team that wants to score in the 80s and the 90s. Ike wanted to keep the game in like the 60s and the 70s, and, and they did a great job of just controlling the tempo, limiting fast breaks. Uh, Howard St. Ruse was amazing again. Keith Langford was incredible, 30 points, another huge scoring game for him. He was just too strong for guys like Bruno Fittipaldo and Vitor Benite, too quick for bigger defenders. And like the Hapoel-Jerusalem game a couple weeks ago, Borgos just kept leaving Langford alone uh, at the three-point line to go help on other players, uh, which was just a, a lack lack of focus like you can't leave that guy alone it's much better to give somebody else on that team like a contested you know finish at the rim or a contested mid-range shot than to give Langford a wide open three so uh, some mental mistakes got to Burgos there uh, great defense off the bench from Ike, Marcus Slaughter, Linos Chrissikopoulos. These guys did a great job of protecting the rim without fouling. And, you know, late in this game, despite being outplayed for the most part, Burgos had a chance to win. They went on an 11-2 run in the fourth quarter to take the lead, but then Nikos Kikas and Keith Langford hit three-pointers for Ike to get them back ahead and get another win for the Queen. 
Dave, uh, any any thoughts on Ike beating Burgos in this one? Yeah, there was also the the big dunk by Saint Ruz late um, as well. Uh, yeah, I mean this Burgos team, you know, you know, slowly but surely trying to f- figure out uh, what's what's wrong with with it. Um, you know, you look at the uh, the starters, only twenty nine points from the from the from the starting five. Uh, but I mean, you just have to appreciate. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's call it the ugliness. You know, yeah, I mean, that's fair. You, know, you think of you th- no, you think of like the Knicks teams of whenever that you know that that height of their um, Pat Riley, you know, era. Um, just the defensive, uh, 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 you know, nastiness that they put in and and guys buying in. Um, and and it and it starts with San Ruiz, man. I mean, I I think I I. I professed uh you know much more publicly last week you know my my love uh of 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 his game and and now you know they really go through him now at the point too so um and and he's and he's effective uh, and he's effective doing that and and um and so yeah this is a team that you know as as long as they can score enough points and Langford is is there and and um uh, as long as they can score enough points you know they have a good chance of 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 winning every game just because they're not going to give up that many. Yeah, absolutely. Another great defensive performance from Ike uh, San Pablo Burgos. So they won their first two games of the competition. They've lost three straight in Champions League, and next week it doesn't get much easier. They host Hapoel Jerusalem, but. As Poe Ortez proved this week, Jerusalem can be beaten. They entered the week number one in Igor Jerkovic's power rankings, but they lost on the road to Poe Ortez, 81-75. to Justin Dentman with a big game in this one. Uh, Dave, what, what did you think about Poe Ortez uh, with the upset at home in this game? And the upset without last week's MVP. Um, uh, Nicolas De Jong actually missed the game, got hit in the head. Uh, got hit in the right eye, I guess, uh, on, on Sunday in Limoges. Actually went to the hospital. I'm not 100% sure because I was doing Google Translate, but uh, there was at least Google Translation of a, of a concussion. Um, you know, just not letting not letting Jerusalem run. You know, they only had, um, it looks like they only had four fast break points. And you think Jerusalem, you think go, 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 go. Um, and, and they couldn't do that. You know, Poe you know, really did a good job. Um, of 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 taking care of the ball and 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 just you know being disciplined and you know to have Detman come in and do that uh, you know he had the one game I think he played like maybe thirteen fifteen minutes uh, during the week uh, during the weekend you know and then to come in and do what he did uh, you know just a really impressive uh, impressive performance. Yeah, elsewhere in this group, Bandirma with a win on the road at Rastafecta, 81-73. to Emmanuel Terry, 12 points and 12 rebounds in that game as he continues his strong season. And Anvil pick up another victory. They beat Antwerp, 80-71. to At home, Anvil now 2-3 and three and, uh, you know, firmly in the mix there in a, in a pretty tight group B right now. Uh, you know, Borgos looking vulnerable. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a chance for Anvil to rise up the standings and, and sneak into the playoffs. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on those final two games? Yeah, Bandirma, you look at the, uh, the rebounding 42 to 26, um, against Fechta. They really just kind of pushed their, their way around, 
Um, and yeah, you mentioned Terry. Fantastic. Also another fantastic uh, free throw performance by, by Ben Dima, 23 of 26. That's 89%. Um, and then Anvil, just really quick, just four turnovers in the game. And that trio of, uh, Ricky Ledoux, uh, Chase Simon and Tony Roten, 57 points. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about how dangerous those guys can be. Um, and, uh, they showed right there, you know, that's, that's, uh, 57 of, uh, sorry, 51 of, of 80 points. You know, that's, that's a, that's a tough, uh, guard wing trio, um, to, to stop on a, on a regular basis over 40 minutes. All right, moving on to Group C, Tenerife stay unbeaten. They are the last undefeated team in the competition. They barely won at home against Gaziantep with a 69-67 victory. They trailed by seven points with about a minute and 20 seconds left before Marcelino Huertas and Sasu Salin took over. First, Huertas uh, with a nice handoff to Salin for a three and then a couple plays later, uh, Georgie Shermadini and Sasu Salin both got offensive rebounds, ended up being a Santi Usta open three on the kickout. And then the final play of the game, Tus Vitoretta drew up a gorgeous play. Huertas hit Salin for the go-ahead three-pointer to win. Uh, Dave, this was a game where Gaziantep played really well for the first three quarters. They were leading by seven to ten points for most of the fourth quarter. But it seemed like they were playing not to lose there in the fourth quarter. They didn't get. They weren't aggressive. They were uh, letting. You know, they were they were using up all of the shot clock, which is good because you want to kill time. But also, you know, that's that's not necessarily the way to score points and to to keep your lead in a close game. You have to stay aggressive. They didn't get to the. They didn't draw any fouls at all in the fourth quarter. So late in the game, they weren't in the bonus. They couldn't get easy free throws uh, when they were when they were struggling offensively. So Gaziantep, they had their chances, but they kind of blew this one. Uh, but I, I thought you made a great point on Twitter. Tuz Vitoretta drew up a really nice play, uh, and also Georgie Shermadini, a little bit of a moving screen there to to free Sasu Salin. Uh, what, what did you see in this game and then on that last play? You know, you almost have to feel bad for Gaziantep. Sorry to Tenerife uh, uh, supporters if you if you don't like to hear that. But I mean, this you know they were up by ten points at a tough place to play. We've been hearing it uh, all you know the, the entire. Uh, uh, um, history of this competition, you know, that, that, uh, that it's hard to, to play and win there. And they were up by 10 with four and a half minutes left, just one basket in the final four, uh, 449. Um, and the guy, you know, that, you know, if you want a bucket, probably on either of these teams is Jason Rich. And Jason Rich went scoreless in the fourth quarter, 0 of 2 from two point range and 0 of 3 from three point range. He hits one of those. One of those shots, he hits two of those shots, and it's and it, you know and you can almost say it's game over maybe. Um, so you know they 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 kind of did what they wanted to do as far as you know they got the lead, they held the lead, and and you know and and they relied on a guy who really you're you're okay with you know putting the responsibility on Jason Rich. He just you know it's one of those games where he misses all five shots of uh, that he has in the fourth quarter and. And, and you and you lose, and then and also you know they were up, um, they were up 
by one point with 18.7 seconds left and Drew Crawford can't inbound the ball five five second violation and then that gives the that gives the chance to uh to Vitoretta to to drop the play for for Salim so you know just um you know a couple of misses by Rich and then the the really you know boneheaded uh or just the inability to to inbound the ball with the 19 seconds left and you're up by one uh, so you have to, you do have to feel bad for for Gaziantep, who are now, you know, they're at one and four, um, and this is a tough group. So you know that's going to be a loss that they might go back and look and say, man, if we had just gotten that, you know, huge road win, that would, you know, carried us uh, maybe maybe a lot farther than they might end up. Yeah, they had plenty of chances to put this one away. Von Bula also missed a wide open layup late in the fourth quarter. And then that uh that, that <laughs> yep, five second yep. call on Crawford, great job by Tenerife doubling Jason Rich to deny him the ball. Uh that was obviously where Crawford wanted to go, and then he didn't really have a plan B. Nobody ran to the ball to help him out, so they forced the turnover. And then on that Sasu Salin uh, three, after it happened, uh, you could see the the coach for Gaziantep was not happy. He wanted them to switch on that screen, uh, but the def- the defense just didn't communicate. Uh, Rich, I think it was, got pasted trying to chase him around it. And Salin mm-hmm. with a clutch three for Tenerife as they stay unbeaten at 5-0. and oh. Elsewhere in this group, Nimburg with a nice win on the road, beating Nizhny 82-73. to That was a game they controlled pretty much uh, the entire way after a dominant first half. Bomberg beat Riga 76-55, to and Peristeri with a win on the road at Mornar 73-65. to uh, Dave, three road teams in Group C picking up wins this week. Uh, what did you think about the rest of this group? Yeah, and actually could have been four if you if you know if Gaziantep pulls it through. Um, really, just want to touch on 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 Mornar. They're 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 zero and five, and you know you look and you oh they lost again. They lost at home. They led by thirteen points in this game, and I just want to go back to a couple of the games that they've had. Um, that game against against Favriga, they led by eight, and it was tie. It was a tie game with forty seven seconds, and they lost. Um, they led against at home against Tenerife. Uh, early in the fourth, and it was it was only a um, and it was only a um, uh, and it was only a three three point game with five minutes left, and then uh, against uh, again and, and then against uh, at Bomberg last week it was only a three point game with two minutes left. So they're zero and five, and you know they might just be you know brushed aside. Ah, this team sucks, but you know hey, they're in these games, um, and. Uh, and uh, just not not able to come through um, a, a big 16-0 run and uh, Hatcher uh, scoring um, 12 points uh, in the fourth quarter really uh, broke the backs of, of Mornar at home. And the harassing defense not able to force a turnover. Benzing says, why not? And yet again, Robin Benzing having the first half of his life, 18 points. All right, in the last group, Group D, I want to start with Zaragoza beating Dijon 75-60 to in Spain. Dijon was undefeated 4-0 and coming into this game, but Zaragoza were the better team from the opening tip. They jumped out to a 14-4 to lead in the first quarter. Javier Hustiz was doing a great job scoring in the paint, and Zaragoza really killed Dijon by entering the ball into the post 
and then passing it to the opposite wing for open threes. They were able to get a few really good looks like that in the first quarter. Robin Benzing, I mentioned him as a possible team of the week candidate. He had 11 points in the first five minutes and then uh, 18 in the first half. So big time scoring explosion from Benzing early on. Zaragoza did a great job on the glass, great job defending without fouling, just a really solid overall effort from them. Uh, the Nemanja Radovic and Javier Husti's combo dominated the paint. And in the fourth quarter, you know, Dijon, it looked like they were going to make a comeback at various points, but they could just never get the lead under 10 points. They, you know, they would get close and then Nicolas Brasino would hit a three or somebody else for Zaragoza would step up. Uh, so a really solid win for the Spanish team at home as they move to three and two on the season. Dijon dropped to four and one. Uh, Dave, you were a little skeptical about this Dijon team. I think you picked Zaragoza to win this game. Uh, what did you see in this one? Um, yeah, uh, really physical, man. This was, uh, you know, really nasty. You almost had a, had a feeling that, uh, that you might get a fight, uh, you know, especially down, you know, fourth quarter. Um, Carlos Allison, you know, the, the youngster, um, uh, 18 years old, seven points, all seven points in the final five minutes came up huge. Um, and, uh, you know, they started two, two players, uh, uh, from the 2000 born also, um, uh, Vit Kretsch, um, Kretschy and the Czech youngster, uh, and, you know, Zaragoza, they're bringing in Dylan Ennis. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that I've loved following um, over the years. And so this is only going to be that much better of a team. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, they've played a lot of their games on the road so far. Uh, They won this game at home. And, uh, yeah, again, I'm I'm still not buying – uh, the, the, the Dijon, uh, stock, um, and, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's a solid team, but, you know, we'll see about, uh, how they, they stack up their, the, you know, now with some road games, you know, they, they weren't able to really, uh, do a dent against, uh, against Saragossa. So that's, you know, that, that's why I, I didn't think that they would be able to win this game. Yeah, interesting with Dijon not starting David Holston, and then they went down fourteen to four early in this game. So maybe that's that's something they need to switch up. Make sure they have Holston out there at the beginning of the game. Elsewhere in Group D, Pauk beat Brindisi ninety five to ninety one for their first win of the season. Besiktas snapped their losing streak by beating Falco seventy four to forty nine, and Bonn with a double digit win at home. They beat Neptunus ninety-seven to eighty-five. Uh, Dave, any any final thoughts on Group D? Uh, the the Palk uh, Brindisi ninety-one ninety game. Just how maybe uncommon that may have been. Twenty-eight lead changes. Is, so that was a fun game back and forth. Um, so Palk scores ninety-five. They come into the game averaging sixty-eight and a half, and Brindisi score ninety-one, averaging seventy-seven and a half. So. Out of nowhere, the offensive explosion. So I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. That's it for the group by group breakdowns. Let's move on to overtime. But first, just a little more group D uh, for the first overtime question. Uh, Dave, did we learn anything about this group? Are we are we any wiser about group D? Uh, all of the other ones, you know, there's uh, there's some clear top teams. This one seems like chaos. What are we learning here about group D? Um. I I think you know the the teams I two teams that I had in the in the top four uh, were Saragossa and Bonn, 
and and I'm okay with both of them. Uh, you know, they they you know they're both uh, they're both three and two. Um, and I so in that and are we any wiser about Group D? Uh, yeah, I you know I mean I think you know you know Saragossa and Bonner are, are are there, and I think they'll be there. Um, and then who, you know, is Brindisi, what are they going to be um, to, what are they going to do? What's Paul going to look like new coach and everything like that? Um, is Dijon the team I think, or is Dijon the team that Igor Djurkovic thinks? So in that regard, there's, there's some that we're not wiser. What do you think about group D? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a wild one. I'm still optimistic about Neptunus. They beat Zaragoza by 18 the week before, before losing on the road at Bonn. They're right there at three and two as well. Um, so yeah, th- this is kind of a crazy one. I'm not super optimistic about Brindisi and Besiktas. I think th- those are two teams that we were, uh, you know, a- a- thinking about them being in the playoff picture, uh, potentially. Entering the season, both of them outside of it right now at two and three. Uh, I, I think the way the the top of the group is right now, Dijon, Bonn, Neptune, Zaragoza. I think those are probably our four playoff teams. But I, I expect Zaragoza to create a little bit of separation from Bonn and Neptunis uh, in that in that uh, you know maybe maybe they won't pass Dijon since they're a game behind right now. But I definitely expect Zaragoza to at least finish second in this group. Next question. I had Brindisi. I, I had Brindisi winning the group uh, before the season. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking very good yeah, right now. Yeah, not, not yet. But there's a lot of lot of regular season left. All right, next topic: best road win. I had Bandirma beating Rastafecta on the road. Uh, Bandirma had been struggling. You know, only 50 points offensively uh, against Ike the week before. They come uh, come over to Germany against a good Rastafecta team and win that by eight points. This was a game that Bandirma kind of needed to win to stay in the mix in group B. Uh Fecta was three and one. Bandirmo were one and three, so a big win for them. Uh now they are tied with three other teams in that group at two and three. Uh what what was your pick for best road win? Yeah, I, I that was that was actually the one I was gonna probably go with. Um just because they, you know, with a stre- with a stretch of, of road games that they are that they're gonna be in now. Uh but the other one I had also was Nimbrook, you know, losing last week. Um losing last last week against against Tenerife and, and then coming back and, and beating Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, a big a big victory by them. Also a game where they really you know, controlled much of the game. And, and that's something that they, we were both really high on them. And, and then, you know, they, they didn't look fantastic against, uh, against Tenerife. You know, I, I kind of mentioned those young guys kind of, you know, maybe being a little over their heads and, 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 you know, facing a team like that with a lot of veterans. So going, uh, um, uh, going to Russia, uh, and getting a victory over a Nizhny team that had been playing pretty well, I thought was a pretty good road win. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next topic is team outside the playoff picture that we are most confident in. I think for this one, I'm going to go with Bomberg in Group C. They're currently in fifth place, tied with third place Nizhny and fourth place Peristeri. All of those teams are at three and two. 
Uh, Bomberg, they've won six six straight games now uh, between the BCL and the German League after a rough start to the season. They were great against Riga, held them to seven points in the first quarter and only 55 for the game. Uh, I think, you know, with a new head coach in Roll Moores, a new starting point guard in Paris Lee, a lot of new faces all around the roster, uh, you know, it, it makes sense that it would take a little time for Bomberg to gel. But I think they're in a good position now, especially because the bottom of that group is so weak where, you know, Gaziantep and Riga both have one win, Mornar 0-5. So they've already got a two-game cushion over a few of those teams. They just have to leap over Peristeri, who they play next week at home in Bomberg. So a great opportunity for the German side. Uh, Dave, what's the, the team outside of the playoffs right now who you are most confident in? Looking at this this morning, I actually was going to say Bomberg. I had them listed as one of mine. Um, Huge three-game stretch. You mentioned Peristeri. Then they go to Tenerife, and then they host Nimbrook, where they had a big loss uh, early in the season. Um, You know, (laughs) I'm not confident in either of them, but I picked them both to go really far, so I kind of have to say Strasbourg. You know, I haven't sold my Strasbourg stock, but... You know, it's oh, nobody's I, buying. That's... I have a bunch of I have a bunch of people in my ear screaming at me, sell, 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 sell. Yeah. I'm not quite. I, I I can't sell just yet. Um, and and Brindisi, um, you know, also two and three. Both those teams, two and three, and just giving plenty of reasons not to like them. But I guess I still have to stay stay confident in 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 your decisions at the beginning of the season. It's only five games, you know. We're still overreaction, uh, you know. First, second, you know, first two months. So stay confident with your, you know, early convictions. All right. Next topic: stat of the week. My stat of the week is fifty five point six. That is, Ike is only allowing fifty five point six points per game over their last three games. They are just absolutely shutting teams down. They held Antwerp to 51, Bandirma to 50, and then Burgos high-flying offense, only 66 points in that game. So Ike's stingy defense holding teams to 55.6 points per game. Dave, what's your stat of the week? Um, I, I promised to put it on there because I went and found it and uh, actually asked the guys at, at up to, to to give it to me. Um, from Leap Cabellus, Vitenis, Lip, uh, Lipkovicius, 32 minutes. Uh, so the stat is zero. Uh, 32 minutes, 34 seconds, zero points, uh, zero field goal attempts, zero turnovers. Uh, no other player on the court for 30 minutes without attempting a field goal. Um, the previous best had been 28 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, and by. By Nitsan Hanoshi of Maccabi Iran Media, who also didn't have a turnover in that game. Uh, so I'm going to go with zero. Uh, no, field, no field goal attempts in 32 minutes and 34 seconds. He did have uh, seven rebounds and one assist. Okay, and the surprise of the week, I think the easy choice here is Poe Ortez getting their second win of the season and beating undefeated Hapwell Jerusalem, but I'll uh, I'll mention another one as well. I was really surprised that Sasari 
blew out Strasbourg and were leading by 15 at the end of the fourth at the end of the first quarter after a nightmare start for Sassari where they missed two wide open layups uh Dijon Pierre had literally nobody else within 20 feet of him and he missed an open layup uh credit to their coach Gianmarco Poseco who called a timeout after the first minute and a half and was just like hey guys like get your head in the game like wake up what are what are we doing here we're we're missing wide open layups uh, after that timeout, Sassari played much better, led by 15 at the end of the first quarter and cruised to an easy win. Uh, Dave, what was your surprise of the week? I'm going to go with Poe Artes. Uh, I would have, if you had taken Poe, I would have taken, uh, Sassari. Um, just, you know, you know, no Dijon, um, you know, Jerusalem being this, you know, powerhouse that it, that it is, uh, um, but Detman, you know, came in and uh, 21 of his 20, 22 points were in the second half um, and uh, 10 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, he fouled out Feldin uh, with three and a half minutes left. So Feldin couldn't do anything um, in the final uh, three and a half minutes to bring um, to bring uh, uh, Jerusalem back. Um, you know, this is a team that's also struggling in the French league uh, with just two victories so far in the French league. So to come and uh, we know they won last week, obviously, uh, but to have, to not have your big guy uh, who does so many different things, but you know, now, now, now Detman gives them, you know, a veteran guy, you know, who's been around 30, 33, 34 years old. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with the, uh, with Poe getting the victory. All right, so that's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Kyle Wilcher. He talked about his 33-point explosion against Ostend to win the MVP, uh, as well as some of his Turk Telecom teammates, his adventures around Europe, and much more. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. Save from Mustafa Foul. Chance to run for Turk Telecom here by Gal. Far side, Wilcher transition. Three is good. Comes in from the side now. Turk Telecom. Johnson into the lane. Finds foul. Foul's a short shot. Doesn't go. Wilcher picks it up. And of course, Kyle Wilcher will finish it. On the show this week, we have Kyle Wilcher from Turk Telecom Ankara. Um, uh, Kyle, thanks for, for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, you had a uh, big week uh, in the uh, victory um, against uh, Philo Ostend. Uh, 33 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, an efficiency of 33 as you guys uh, bounced back from the, the loss last week at Manresa. Uh, maybe just how good it felt uh, to get another W in the BCL. So great for us, you know, obviously coming off the loss, um, just protecting our home court. And, you know, they're a really good team. We're, you know, down in the third quarter. So uh, we're just really happy we're able to get better as a team and, you know, face a little adversity and get through it so it was a great win for us and we're looking forward to the rest of the champions league games um you guys have been excellent in the in the bcl but actually kind of been struggling domestically uh looks like four losses in the last five uh what what do you think's been working in the bcl that quite that hasn't quite been working in the turkish league you know uh, i think each game we've played in the uh you know turkish league is very tough and you know, we played some tough teams early on. You know, we played at Karsheka. Uh, we played uh, Fenerbahce early on, you know. So I think, you know, I think we're doing pretty good consistently in both leagues. But I think in Champions League, we just, you know, come out on top. You know, we've had a couple of tough games in the Champions League to start off as well. But, 
uh, you know, luck went our way in some of those games. So uh, we just want to continue, you know, win or lose in either league, like just trying to get better each week. And I think we're doing a good job at that. And we just got to keep, uh, keep that same mentality moving forward. You were kind of struggling with your shot in the first few BCL games, uh, just three of 16 from three point range uh, before going five of eight um, against Ostend. Uh, was there a point in the game where you kind of thought to yourself, I can, you know, shoot it from anywhere. It'll go in. Was there anything that kind of helped you bust out of, uh, your shooting slump? Yeah. You know, um, actually it's funny. Uh, my wife actually just got here to Ankara, Turkey. So I got to give her, her some major props. <laughs> she, uh, after the last game, she was like, she's watched my last games for five years. So she just t told me told myself to be confident and be extra aggressive moving forward. And, you know, going into the game, I think just, just warming up and in that first quarter, just, you know, just not really worrying about missing or making, just being aggressive because that's when I'm at my best. And I've had some big games in my career. And I think when I'm at my best is every time I'm touching the ball, I'm a threat. So that's what I tried to do in the game. And uh, I was just really fortunate to, to start making some shots and, uh, you know, got to give my wife some credit for, giving me some extra motivation. Yeah. I always give the missus credit when you, when credit is, uh, is due. Yeah. <laughs> um, you scored yeah. the, the, the team's first seven points in 16 of, of 22. Um, mm -hmm. so you feel it right away or, or did you kind did it kind of build up, uh, uh, gradually? I mean, it, nobody else was really hitting anything anyhow. So you were kind of the only one that was really scoring kind of early on. Yeah. I, uh, you know, in that first quarter, um, you know, I got really on selfish teammates, but, I just, the first play of the game was drawn up for me. And, and, you know, um, I think an area of the game I've improved in post is posting up. Um, so I'm not just all, always shooting threes. And I think that helps me score at a higher efficiency. And in that first quarter, I just tried to be as aggressive as I could because, you know, we're obviously losing. So, um, I think that's why I kind of came with that mentality. Uh, you, you mentioned you've had, uh, you know, big, you know, high scoring games in the past, you know, also with Canada at the world cup, we'll come back to that in a minute. Maybe what similarities are there, you know, when you have big scoring nights like that, you know, even though these are entirely different settings, does the coach kind of like, kind of maybe draw more plays up for you or, or something that your teammates do or, or kind of just your mindset? Um, I think it's a mindset thing. Um, you know, it's obviously great when a coach is drawing your, your number, but I think for myself, I'm at my best when I'm mixing it up and I'm shooting threes and keeping them honest out there, but I'm also, you know, crashing the glass. I think I had a couple offensive boards that got me going as well, getting some putbacks. Um, I think it's just when I mix it up and do a little combination of everything and then pair that with an aggressive mentality, I think that's when, you know, I've had big games. Uh, the team was struggling in the first half, only 26 points. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you guys came out and scored 26 in the third quarter. Um, what mm -hmm. changed What changed at halftime? You know, I think we just we came out looser in the third quarter. We we're playing a little tense. You know, when you – I mean, just even as a shooter, like when you, when you miss a couple, it, it does hurt your confidence. And, and so I think as a team, you know, we were, we were just missing some shots and, you know, we just kept – kept getting good ones, kept executing. And I think in the third, we just broke it open because uh, we played more free. You, uh, your performance earned uh, MVP of the week. Um, and you're the fourth Canadian uh, to win the MVP honors in the four-year history of the competition. Um, you're already, though, the second uh, this season. Uh, Deshaun Perry from Sasari uh, won it in week one. 
Is this a is this a sign of things to come? Should we expect uh, Canadian dominance uh, this year? And and do we does this call for a special celebration at all? Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 good. You know, we got a lot of tough tough players in Canada, and we love we love the the little facts you just showed. And I definitely think it's things to come. I, I'm going to play very aggressive this year, and you know, my number one thing is winning. But uh, you know, I think I teams at my best when I'm being aggressive. So. I'm going to try to keep this mentality all year and keep the same energy moving forward. And, uh, you know, we're just hoping for a good year and just one step at a time. We're just hoping to advance, get that, get that, uh, going into the next part of champions league. That's our goal. So, and then, you know, from there we'll, we'll work on it. You're a new arrival this year. And, and actually there's, um, uh, uh, a lot of new faces on the team. Um, but it seems like from the outside, you guys have kind of developed a pretty good chemistry. Um, should we expect more double double performances from you uh, this season? Yeah, I mean, I I think we have a great group of guys, very unselfish, uh, very high character guys, and you know, for myself, I just I think that's the number one area I've been trying to show is my rebounding um, that I'm consistent, especially at the four position. So that's my goal is to get as many double doubles as I can. So that's my definitely my goal and. And, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't go your way, but, you know, I'm just going to keep working hard on the, on the glass and then, uh, keep working hard as a team. Um, you were kind of there all game, Nick Johnson, who you kind of talk about as a, sh- uh, a soldier on Twitter, uh, really yep. had a big second half. What, what do you see, uh, him bringing to the team? Um, you know, I've actually, uh, it's funny you said that I, I, we played on a, a basketball team in high school together, so. I've known him for a really long time. We traveled the country um, in high school together on a team called the soldiers. Um, so yeah, it's cool to be able to pair up with a familiar face. And uh, he's, he's super athletic and he's very unselfish. And he's one of those guys who can guard the, the other team's best player. And then offense, he can kill you with, with a jumper in your face or, or, or a mean dunk. So having a guy like that, it's awesome. And uh, it's really cool to play with him again. What's it like having a guy like uh, Mustafa Fall there uh, at seven two to kind of just, you know, maybe erase mistakes you guys do defensively? Oh, for me, it's amazing. You know, just having that, that presence down low and it opens me up on offense, having a presence on the block and then on defense, like you said. You know, he's such a an elite shot blocker. Um, he's huge for our team moving forward, and we're at our best when he's on the court. So um, I love playing with a guy like him. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. Your father played basketball professionally uh, in Europe um, and also for the Canadian mm-hmm. national team. And we'll kind of talk about that in a, in a minute as well. Uh, but maybe how and when did basketball into your life? I mean, at the earliest age, you know, um, I was, I was, uh, I'm not sure if I was born yet, but some of the earliest memories of seeing my dad playing for FC Barcelona. So uh, it's always been a dream of mine to play like a, for a club, like obviously his old clubs, so I uh, played against them last year in the ACB. And so for me, like just watching my dad grow up, uh, play basketball, it's really the earliest memories are when I was young. And so um, he played in Greece and uh, in, in Italy. So countries I would love to, I mean, I played in Greece in my first year, but um, he, he made a living uh, from overseas basketball and I'm kind of following him in his footsteps and just want to take one year at a time. He he had already returned from Europe uh, by the time you were born in '92. Maybe how much of his career have you gone back and kind of asked him about? Um, a lot. I mean, uh, he uh, he's got. We obviously had some old footage of him back in the day at the house, but 
Uh, we also have, uh, like, you know, there's a couple road trips I've made with him and I've just asked him all about his career. So he's been a, a huge mentor on the court for me. Um, so, uh, it's, it's always cool looking back on stuff like stuff like that. Yeah. He, he played at three, uh, FIBA basketball world cups, also 19, uh, 1984 Olympics where Canada took third. Uh, you mentioned Italy, Spain, Greece. He won the, um, supporter cup in, in 86 with Barcelona reached two uh, uh, European Ch- Champions Cup Final Fours with Aris. Um, maybe what were some of your base, your favorite basketball stories from your father growing up? Um, you know, the favorite stories of him, um, you know, like you said, whenever they won a championship, it was like just parades in the streets. And he showed me some videos, um, you know, I think with Barcelona and then in Greece, I was in I was in Greece and I couldn't believe that people still remembered him to this day and it was like 30 years ago so it's really cool to see like how how passionate the fans are I mean even after the game uh the other day uh, our fans were going crazy after the game and it's just it makes basketball fun um you know for for us and I think those are the best stories when you hear how crazy the fans are Let's move a little bit ahead in your to your college days. Your freshman year, you you won the NCAA title uh, with really a stacked uh, Kentucky team, which uh, among others also included Anthony Davis. What memories stick out uh, the most from from you know the night you guys won the title, the whole season? What what kind of memories stick out the most from that season? I mean, just that year, you know how hard guys worked. I mean, Anthony Davis went on to be top draft pick and or all those guys did. And, you know, e- each one of those guys are just extremely hard workers. I, I learned a lot of my work ethic being there. And, you know, when, anytime you win a championship, it's like the best feeling as a, in team sports. I mean, there's nothing better because you work so hard as, as a team all year. So to win a, win a championship in the States uh, was, was awesome for me, especially my first year. So uh, it was one of the best memories of my life. After a, a solid uh, sophomore season, you decided to transfer to Gonzaga. Maybe uh, looking back on that decision, you know, what were what were some of the factors in that one? Um, for me, I actually almost went there the first time around, so I was very familiar with the program, and they just had a system that was really suited for a player like me. And I really wanted to, you know, redshirt one year because if you transfer, you have to sit out, and and I just worked on my body in the weight room and. And just worked on my post game a lot that year because um, when I was at Kentucky, I was pr- primarily just a shooter. I think that really helped me as a professional, just being able to work on my game at Gonzaga. And uh, it was just uh, it was an awesome experience getting to play for two high profile programs. You you mentioned it. I mean, you know, Gonzaga has has become even bigger, um, but you know they were already big at the time that you were there. You know, maybe compare them to maybe how they, how they, um, how things run there, you know, uh, status of the guys, just in general, you know, talk about playing for two of the biggest programs in, in, uh, in, in college basketball. Oh man, it's just incredible. Just, um, you know, college basketball is really a fun, fun environment for those overseas who are not familiar. It's just, it's, uh, awesome. the, the fan bases are amazing, but, you know, just getting to, meet some really good coaches, um, for both programs, you know, someday after basketball, I hope to, you know, get into the coaching world. So if any of my college coaches are listening, I, uh, might want to work for them someday. So it's just really cool to see two different programs who are very well known and, and the fan bases were so incredible. So, um, 
it was really cool to get get that experience. Uh, let, let's jump ahead to this past summer. Uh, you had the chance to play in China at the uh, Basketball World Cup. Uh, you you played in the in in four games in the qualifiers. Um, obviously, there was a you know uh, extremely difficult group with Lithuania and Australia, um, and, and Canada probably didn't uh, play as as well as they wanted to. But maybe just talk about that whole experience and what you learned from it. Yeah, I mean it's it's just an incredible experience because uh, it's it you know you get to represent your country. And for me, my dad played for Canada his whole mm-hmm. life, um, and he actually motivated me to play with Canada because I was actually born in the states and. I had the choice and you know for me it's been a goal just to kind of follow my father's footsteps and play in the Olympics someday so um, I really want I did I did last summer and the last three summers with Canada because I really want to play in the Olympics and you know um, we have one more chance this next upcoming summer of the qualifying tournament so we're glad we qualify and we can't really look back on you know not not qualifying at the World Cup because America's had some really really good teams so um you know, it's tough for us, but we're still going to look positive and we got a really good program. We just hope that all our players are able to play. Maybe talk about uh, uh, this uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. You know, it's going to be next summer. It's, you know, last chances to, to get to, to get to Tokyo. Uh, what you what you maybe expect? Um, you know, um, for us, uh, this is our first year playing under um, a new coach and that's Coach Nick Nurse. And he's just been um, a really good coach so far. So, you know, we're kind of trusting in him in terms of the system and how we play and, and, uh, you know, whoever shows up to camp this next summer, we just want to put our best foot and best effort forward. So, uh, we obviously have a, you know, a tough tournament coming up after the season. It's, I think it's right. As soon as my season with Turk Telecom ends, I think, I think the camp will be like the next week or so. So, um, our goal is to qualify for those Olympics and then, uh, from there, we want to uh, want to go and medal in the Olympics. That's our goal. We we ask f- uh, some of our BCL fans for questions for you on uh, social media, and and so uh, George Chats wants to know what about your experience with Olympiacos? Uh, that was your first season um, over here in in Europe. Uh, maybe just talk about the 2017-18 season with Olympiacos, such a, a highly yeah. esteemed pro- uh, club here in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the, the most fun years of my life. They have an incredible tradition getting to play for a club like that. Um, I mean, he know, he probably knows the fan base is just incredible. I mean, you go anywhere in uh, Gofada is where we live. Anywhere you go, people are saying either, one, go Olympiacos or go Panathinaikos. And it's the most crazy rivalry you can ever imagine. So getting to play in an environment like that was incredible um and it's obviously a beautiful city and beautiful country um i actually got married this summer in greece me and my wife like the country that much so um i just appreciate my time there and i'm very thankful um see Kalaitis, uh 12 uh says what do you say about rs fans you've, you've mentioned uh, your your father um you know he actually played there uh, back in the eighties and you mentioned, uh, yeah. that they even, uh, talked to him, talk about it. Uh, maybe just, uh, talk about the RS fans. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, another, another program. I, it was one of my first games. I wasn't able to play yet. I hadn't been cleared, but, um, I went on the trip with my team to RS and, uh, I remember getting 
they asked me to do an interview after the game. I'm like, well, I didn't play. And they're like, oh, no, it's about your father. So, like, I actually did an interview after the game about my dad. That you didn't even play. So I was like, yeah, I didn't even play. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. I mean, cool, I'll do it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, if it was up to me, I would, especially Aris and especially Barcelona, you know, someday in my playing career, I would love to play there just because it's, it would be a cool story playing like my dad. I, I sense a trick question coming here, but nJohn13 yeah. from Instagram asks, who's your, oh, fa- no. <laughs> who's your favorite Turk Telecom teammate, <laughs> Mr. Wiltshire? <laughs> oh, man, I'll definitely say my man, uh, Nick Bunny Johnson, for sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was funny, he asked that. Um, uh, Guni UK asks, what's your favorite shoe? My favorite shoe, uh, I'd say I'm a huge, uh, off the court, I wear Air Jordan 1s. Uh, those are my favorite shoes, wear jeans, the sweats, whatever. And on the court, um, right now, I'm, I've been wearing the, the Paul George shoes or Kyrie's. Okay, are you a big shoe guy then or just some here and there? Yeah, I've, I've been, a big, been a big shoe guy uh, pretty much all my life. I grew up in Portland, so uh, uh, Oregon, <laughs> which is basically like the headquarters of Nike, and so... Yeah. Um, and my wife worked for Nike for six years, so we, uh, we're definitely a, a Nike fam. Okay. Uh, double question from Mert, uh, Myrtle, uh, Kaniri. What dishes, uh, do you like in the Turkish cuisine and what is your f- favorite place in Ankara? Um, my favorite dishes in, uh, Turkey, I'd probably have to say, um, I love, well, all soup in Turkey is really good. I've noticed. Um, and then I love the tea in Turkey. Every meal after you're done eating, they bring you tea, and it's always good. And uh, you got to go with the dessert. The baklava, baklava. is amazing <laughs> in Turkey. Yeah. Um, my favorite restaurant in Turkey right now, um, probably this Italian restaurant, or I actually love the Salt Bay restaurant. I think it's awesome. Uh, it's a steakhouse. We always, I always go there with my wife after games, so it's always a fun restaurant to go to. I saw you posted a picture with him. What was that like? Uh, did Did you... I mean, is that, is that someone, is that a personality that you kind of knew? Um, I actually met this guy who helped us. Uh, he knew him. So, uh, like he's a tough guy to reach I supposedly. So like when I went there, like I wasn't really expecting to meet him. I was just going for like a nice meal and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, he's 10 minutes salt bay is going to be here. So just be ready. And like the guy literally came into the restaurant with like a, like, it was like a boxer. Like he had like like a walk-in song, everything, everyone cleared the tables and he came straight to our table and served us. And it was like the coolest 30 seconds of my life. I, I never get starstruck for anyone, but I was a little starstruck and I got a selfie with him. So I was pretty high. Cool. Um, maybe favorite city you've visited. You've, you know, you've been to a lot of places, um, you know, both playing and also as a, as a, uh, as an opponent going to away games, favorite places, uh, favorite city you've visited since you've been in Europe. Um, favorite city. I really like Barcelona cause I, I lived in Spain last year, but, um, I really like Italy. I went on my honeymoon in Italy and I, when we played Milan, I, I really like the city of Milan. So, um, I think Milan's a great city. Uh, that first year when I was in the early, um, fans fans can actually see a lot of your photos uh, f- um, from from Europe throughout uh, um, on your social media channels. Maybe how do you 
how do you like to use social media? Um, it's a powerful tool. I've learned uh, mm-hmm. being a basketball player. I, I like sharing, you know, trips I go on and, and obviously like where I go with my wife and because I'm very fortunate to travel the world. So I think for me, I just like using that. And then, you know, I can use it as a business as well. I started a clothing brand um, called Equality Brand. It's based off of like uh, racial and social equality, just kind of trying to promote a positive image so or a positive message. So for me, it can be used just for fun and then also as a business. Uh, staying off the court for the last one, you just brought it up. It's a E Q L T Y brand. So equality brand, um, your message yep. there is I started this brand because I want to spread a positive message through social media and wear clothes that represent my beliefs, mm-hmm. treating every person equally, mm-hmm. regardless of race, gender, religion, or any other criteria is something that I uh, strongly believe in. Uh, tell us more about uh, equality brand. Um, you know, for me, it's a, it's a passion project for me. And you know, obviously I, I'm a professional basketball player, but, you know, me and my wife, um, she's interracial. And so, you know, just, you know, just sharing our love for clothing. And then also like, kind of like what you touched on is, is a positive message. Um, you know, for us, you know, we, we, we treat everyone equally and, you know, being able to be an overseas basketball player, I get to see so many different types of cultures and different types of people. So, I just want to promote a, um, a message that everyone's equal on this planet. And, and then in the end also, I want to, you know, uh, show off some really cool clothes as well. Yeah. Um, you, you've played in a lot of, in some great basketball countries, Greece, Spain, now Turkey. Uh, have you noticed any differences, similarities between them? Um, I think the, the similarities is everywhere I've been, I've been very fortunate. You know, the fans are, are amazing. Um, each place I've been in, and every time I've left the team, they've been really nice, like, you know, on social media, stuff like this to me. Um, and then I think uh, the differences are, I'd probably say the climate. Um, when we were in Athens, I'd say uh, Athens and Malaga were a little warmer than here in Turkey. Um, uh, but we're not even uh, in December yet, so we'll see how cold it gets out here. Yeah. Um, back to the BCL to finish off. Turk Telecom right now is in, in first place at 4-1 and one, uh, in Group A. Um, maybe what are this team's goals, uh, in, in the competition? Our team's goals is simply to win the whole thing. Um, I think, uh, you know, being a, as a competitor, uh, you always got to try to win it all. I think that's our goal. And, and you just got to take one step at a time. You can't look at the big picture right now. We're just focused on the dancing. And, uh, from there we'll worry about the playoffs and, uh, still a long season. So, uh, we just want to continue to get better. What do you think you guys do best that uh, gives you the best shot to win the championship, to close off then? Um, I think just taking each game one at a time. Um, I think you can't look like, oh, we got three really tough games ahead of us. We just got to go one at a time. And uh, I think that's what we've been doing. And each practice, just trying to get better as a team. Um, I think that's the, the recipe for success. All right, fantastic. Kyle Wiltshire, thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck uh, the rest of this BCL season and also domestically in Turkey. Let's see if you guys can get back, uh, uh, get some, uh, string some wins together. Hey, appreciate it, sir. Thank you.
All right. Thanks again to Kyle Wilcher for joining us on this week's podcast. And thanks to all of the fans, uh, including Nick Johnson, for submitting Instagram questions. Uh, Dave, a lot of lot of interesting stuff there uh, with that interview with Kyle. What really stood out to you? Uh, the storytelling, you know, the, the Salt Bay was, was great. Also, I didn't realize that his father um, doing the research, I, I knew that his father played and I knew that he played national team, but I didn't realize he did as much uh, as he did um, – uh, in in uh, in Europe, and I mean, just that that tells you just um, how, how really amazing the Greek fans are. That you know, he doesn't even play in the game, and he gets the interview um, because the Aris fans want to ask him about his father, who who you know who had to you know help them to some great heights back in the uh, in the eighties. So just yeah, a lot a lot of fun sto- uh, stories, you know, and 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 a really a. a a, um, a colorful player, a great player to have for the, the BCL. Yeah, he's been excellent this season. It's really fun watching him play. I'm, I'm excited he's in the Champions League, and uh, that Turk Telecom team is going to be a very good one to watch throughout the competition. Looking ahead to next week's games, uh, I'm really interested on the Tuesday schedule. Ike versus Rastafecta is going to be fascinating. Ike with their super stingy defense, like I mentioned earlier, going up against Fecta and their explosive offense. That's going to be great to watch on Tuesday. Uh, Dave, what else from Tuesday's schedule stands out to you? Uh, maybe Dijon, Bonn. You know, Bonn is a team that, I, that I'm still believing in. And, and, and now, you know, Dijon goes back home and, and uh, obviously going to be, you know, licking their wounds, trying to, you know, show, uh, show that they are a team that's, that deserves to be 4-1. Um, so that's probably that's probably the other game that I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing. All right, and on Wednesday's schedule, some interesting ones here. I, th- I think the one that stands out to me is Burgos hosting Jerusalem. Uh, Burgos two and three in a bit of a free fall right now, but they are a very talented team. Uh, if they're going to turn things around in Group B, they could really use a win at home against Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, of course, coming off their first loss of the season, they'll be desperate to get a win as well. So that's going to be a great one on Wednesday. Uh, Dave, anything else from Wednesday's schedule? The Bumberg home game against Peristeri. Um, yeah. You know, that's going to be a that's going to be a, a very telling game in that group. You know, you you talked about Bumberg being on a roll, and uh, Peristeri. You know, uh, you know that's you know Freak City's not an easy place to play, and so if they can come in and and uh, and get a victory there, we'll we'll see. That's going to be a big game. Yeah, another massive game there in Group C. Both teams are three and two, so make sure you watch Game Day Six next week. It's going to be another great one. Of course, check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, to stay up to date on all the stats, news, highlights, everything else you need to know to follow the BCL. Follow us on all the social platforms at BasketballCL and subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Kyle Wilcher from Turk Telecom. Thanks to all the fans who submitted questions on Instagram for the interviews. For Dave Hein over in Germany, my name's Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.